0: You see that's what happens When you sit there waiting for something to happen And it's exactly the same with God You can't just believe in God You have to live with God To know God Good morning family the title of the lesson is know your god let's go to god in prayer Uh, heavenly father we are just in awe to be in your presence today god Uh, father i'm so grateful just get the chance to do this lord and uh you've been my secret my whole life god even when i didn't even know you father god and i pray that you just take control of this sermon god speak to your people Use me as a vessel. I love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Hey, Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. God Almighty reigns. The Almighty God that you have come to worship today, be you a guest or a disciple or studying the Bible, is almighty. God is almighty and always mighty. Because God is independent of absolutely everything in life. And in fact, everything depends on God. God doesn't need space. He doesn't need time. He doesn't need matter. God doesn't need matter, but he needs to matter to you. If it's your first time joining us today, my name is Johnny Chan. It is my absolute honor to serve here at the Birmingham International Christian Church. And if you're a guest joining us today, you've come to a church. Uh, In fact, you've come to the church. Uh, And if you're watching online... And you're looking for a church that goes by the Bible, you found it. Come on. So if you're if you're watching online, you're looking for a church that actually speaks the truth, keep watching. Ooh, free, free, free. Yep. We are a Bible church. That's it. We believe in the Bible, cover to cover. Yep. We believe that the Bible is the only book that will read you.
1: Yes.
0: We believe the Bible is the only book that will read you because it's the only book written by God. Wow. And we be, we believe the Bible can read you, because God wrote your DNA. So the same creator that wrote your DNA is the same creator that wrote the Bible. And God knew exactly what he was talking about and what he meant when he wrote the Bible. Amen. And, you know, if you're out there online, there's a lot of Bible commentaries you can look at. There's some really awesome Bible commentaries, in fact. But uh, if you're looking for the ultimate Bible commentary, that's the Bible right there. Come You've come to a church that takes the Bible at face value. And just as we take the Bible at face value, we take the Bible at faith value. And in fact, the Bible determines your faith value. Because in John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's not just that this is the Word of God, this is God. It's not that the pages are God, or even the words, but the message of the Bible is God. And what's crazy is that we can't understand God. We can only know God. Yet, we can understand the Bible. So at the same time, you can't understand God, but you can understand the Bible. That's God right there, beyond your comprehension. And what I love about God is how many dimensions, how many layers to Him there are. And quantum physics has proven that God exists in at least... Eleven dimensions. Wow. When we get to heaven, you're only gonna find out it's like a billion. Like yeah. man, God, you, God, you're in a billion dimensions. God Almighty reigns, and you can't spell the word reigns without the word sign. And in Revelation chapter nineteen, God's Holy Spirit used John the Apostle, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John and the three Epistles of John. Come on, John. <laughs> The voice of God has spoken. The voice of God has spoken, guys. Crazy. God determines times and places, amen. In Revelation chapter 19, the Bible reads this in verse 6 Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear fine linen stands for the righteous acts of god's holy people then the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters. You hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Mm -hmm. It is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. In verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse with which to strike down the nations he will rule over them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of god almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and lord of lords god almighty reigns and guys i was on the way to London yesterday on a train i read this scripture and i literally saw a single white horse standing in a field just like this. Wow. wow. I, was, I, was like, I was like, God. I mean, that was, you know, my nickname is Divine Providence, but that was, that was a bit extreme even for me. Um, God determines times and places because God Almighty reigns. And He can't spell reigns without signs. And He can't spell revelation without reveal. And what I just read to you is the revelation of Jesus Christ as revealed to John the Apostle. And guys, this is our future as disciples, seeing the King of glory come in glory. But we know that the sign is just meant to point to something greater. So even though Mozima has come to get baptized today, and that is a miracle, the miracle points to what? The glory of God. The title of the lesson is, know your God. I wanted to to call it know your enemy. I was like, i got some advice and it was know your God. (laughs) I got four points for you today. Point number
1: one,
0: no God or no God. Point number two, no glory until you know glory. Point number three, no God, no man no god no man point number four know what god knows about you Mm. but first of all i have to um i've got a confession to make you know i I was talking to kane taylor yesterday and i i I laughed at this joke he said to me uh what did adam say when he was asked his favorite holiday he said it's christmas eve But, um, you know, speak to Kane Taylor if you want any uh, uh, any, uh, questionable jokes right there. But on a serious note, I spoke to Frank this week. Uh, You know, for those of you who don't know, Frank used to lead the church here. uh, And uh, he's my father in the faith. And he asked me a very deep question. He said, which Bible character was super fit? Absalom. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, absolutely <laughs> atrocious
1: <laughs> point
0: number one no God or no God the scripture we just read is literally our future Like we're going to see the king of glory coming in glory you see that's what happens when you sit there waiting for something to happen and it's exactly the same with God you can't just believe in God you have to live with God to know God you know God asks you are you willing to die for him before you get into a relationship with him But what I'm learning is that the real test is, are you willing to live for God? Mm -hmm. Family, are you willing to live for God? Are you willing to die for the gospel and live for your spiritual family? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, before I became a disciple, before knowing God, my life was nothing, guys. Without knowing God, your life is nothing. Belief is not enough But you at least have to believe in God to know God. Mm. Because in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible reads, uh, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Mm. How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Mm. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And that's why you need the word of God preached. And I love what Joseph shared a couple of sermons ago. You know, he went to see The Sound of Freedom, which if you guys don't know, if you haven't had a chance to see it in the cinema before, the uh, the system pulled it. Um, it's about child sex trafficking and how it's, it's, it's bigger than the drug trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. The Sound of Freedom. And I was thinking, man, the Word of God literally is the Sound of Freedom because it's the only thing that gives freedom. Yeah,
1: wow, absolutely.
0: But words on a page have no sound. And that's why God needs you to give it a voice. Because preaching the word of God literally gives freedom a sound. Turn your Bible to Luke 15. Knowing God, uh, I've got to say Luke 15 and 16 are two of the most incredible chapters in the Gospels. Knowing God is knowing where he wants us to go. And knowing God is knowing where he doesn't want us to go. And what's so powerful about Luke 15 and 16 is that they are literally glimpses into heaven and hell. um, I'm so moved to have... Ethan, sitting right there. I want to lift him up because he's, he started out as an agnostic, and as of right now, he's uh, looking for a relationship with God, put it that way. And on Tuesday, um, we were going to do a, a Jesus study, and I was like, you know what, let me, let me go for glory here, Let me teach you what is hell and what is heaven. Like biblically, what is heaven, what is hell? And we know that heaven is the total absence of sin Mm. and us spending eternity with God. Whereas hell is the complete absence of God for eternity. They're very real. They're very very real realities. Unfortunately, they've been sort of masked in religiosity. Mm. But if you're watching online, they're very real. We know that in heaven, a war broke out, which is detailed in Revelation chapter 12, and that Satan was on earth before the Garden of Eden. And Eden literally means, in Hebrew, God's presence. So if you're looking for the the Garden of Eden on earth, you're never going to find it. Why? Because it's literally the presence of God. So the Garden of Eden is heaven. But in Revelation 12, verse 7 to 9, it says, and then war broke out in heaven. And eventually, Satan is essentially thrown to earth and he leads the whole world astray. And aren't you glad today that God removed all war from heaven? Because there used to be war in heaven, guys. But now there's only war on earth. Heaven is our home. But the home we're returning to is not a battleground. The war is down here. Wow. The war's in Europe. Come on, bro. The war is in Birmingham. Come on,
1: bro.
0: Satan leads the whole world astray. But if you study that scripture out, the Greek word for world actually means universe. Wow. So it's not just that Satan leads the whole world astray. It's not just that Satan leads Birmingham astray or you astray. It's that Satan has been leading the whole universe astray. Wow. He took a third of heaven's angels with him. Why? Well, a third of 100 is 33.3, which leaves 66.6 in heaven. Wow! Satan took a third because he wanted to leave 666 in heaven. Wow. This isn't know your enemy. That's, that's a sermon for another time, but, but that is the enemy that we face. Heaven is knowing God for eternity. Hell is no God for eternity. Matthew 16 verse 19 teaches that you have to be part of God's kingdom down here. If you want to be part of God's kingdom up there. Amen. You have to know God in time to know God for eternity. No relationship with God down here. No relationship with God up there. No time for God. No time with God. Now we know that Luke, Luke wrote, obviously, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, which is essentially Luke Part 2. But did you guys know there is a lost book of Luke? You know that? Let's take a look at it. Luke 15. The lost book of Luke. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, i sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Is that how you see a Bible study? Because in Luke 15 we see the gradual progression of God's care for your soul. We see three parables. We see the parable of the, uh, the lost sheep. Back in that time, it would have been totally shameful for a shepherd to lose one of his sheep. But God goes after the one out of 100. Then Jesus goes on to use the analogy of a, a Jewish uh, housewife having lost her coin. These weren't just little silver coins. These were um, essentially equivalent to engagement rings. So she's lost one out of ten. It's precious to her and she's searching everywhere. She lights the lamp. We know that whenever we see the lamp in the Bible, that represents the Holy Spirit. Mm. But God shows us that he cares for the one out of ten. And then Jesus concludes this chapter with the parable of the lost son. Mm. And we see the extent to which God is willing to forgive. Mm. To know all is to forgive all. So because God knows everything, he has to be willing to forgive anything. So if you're sitting out there on the invisible continent or in here in this room today, God is willing to forgive anything if you are willing to live for him. To know all is to forgive all. God is willing to forgive you of anything as long as you are willing to forgive anything. Mm. So we see in Luke 15, a glimpse into heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But then in Luke 16, verse 19 to 26, Jesus gives us the parable of, uh, well, let's, let's read it. On, Luke 16, verse 19.
1: Let's go,
0: it says in verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury. Between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And the church says, the truth of heaven and hell, guys, is that if you're in heaven, you can see those in hell. If you're in hell, you can see those in heaven. It's gotten pretty quiet in here, guys. The the practical I have for you guys is do you teach disciples that you you are making into potential disciples, do you teach them heaven and hell biblically? Mm. Point number two no glory until you know glory. What was Moses' wife, Zephora, known for when she threw a dinner party? The hostess with the Moses.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Let's go to Exodus chapter
1: 33. Oh, Let's go, Johnny. Exodus 33.
0: No glory. Until you know glory.
1: Come
0: on. You mean amen when you're there? No glory till you know glory. So in this chapter, God has just informed the Israelites. He's like, guys, it's time to go to the promised land. Right? And during this time, only Moses would would speak on God's behalf. Moses was God's intermediary, his priest for the entire movement. God wants you to know that you can speak to him like Moses speaks to God in this scripture. And what we're going to read is one of the most remarkable prayers recorded in the Bible. Moses knew God enough to ask this question. Exodus 33 verse 11. You read in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me leave these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, (laughs) My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Mm-hmm. Nobody caught that, amen. Mm-hmm. Caught when my glory passes by, <laughs> I will put you in a cleft in the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Wow. 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 Then I will remove my hand wow. and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. That's one heck of a prayer. Moses had the confidence to ask God, show me your glory. You could say that Moses was the first glory hunter. The question is, are you praying To see God's glory in Birmingham you can pray that prayer are you praying for God to use you to display his glory and the practical is very simple pray for God to use you to display his glory because you know what he will Pray that prayer every day and tell me that your life hasn't dramatically transformed. Point number three.
1: Come on, bro. Let's
0: go, bro. No God, no man. No God, no man. First Samuel chapter 15. You guys sit with me? Yes. Amen. 1 Samuel 15. Verse 33. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left for Ramah, but Saul went up to his house in Gibeah. Excuse me. But Saul went to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king of Israel. This is incredible. Like We see that God can regret decisions. It gives us a profound insight into God's character. Because God can feel regret. God can feel anger. God's not just love. And God has given you something that can actually hurt Him. It's called free will. And God desperately wants men and women to rise up and lead His people. God is looking at Birmingham and thinking, man, we've we got enough doctors. You know, we've got plenty of lawyers, we've we, we got, we got plenty, of, uh, plenty of school teachers and a bunch of professions, right? But how many men and women do we have who are willing to lead God's people? Good question. God's looking at Birmingham and being like, man, where are all the evangelists? Where are all the women's ministry leaders? Where are all the shepherds? Where are those who are willing to step up and say, I will lead God's people? Where are all the men and women in the Birmingham church that want to be Bible talk leaders? First Samuel chapter six. No God, no man. Chapter 1. Come on,
1: Johnny.
0: The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, did you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And the church says, when we're seeking God, God will make it absolutely clear who needs to raise up. God's like, yo, that's, that's the brother. That's the sister. And that's why God chose David, because David knew God. God knows that when you know him, you automatically know people. Yeah. And we get closer to each other, the closer we get to God. Mm. And sadly, the closer we get to Satan, the further away we get from each other. Mm. Family, do you trust your discipler? Mm. Come on. Do you believe that the disciple in your life has been anointed, has been appointed by God. I
1: do. Amen. On,
0: do you believe that? I
1: do.
0: Because the thing is, we're always imitating. Right? God has given us mirror neurons. Until the age of probably seven or eight, children are literally just imitating. They're sponges. But even us as adults, there's there's one baby in here, Uh, but even as adults we have mirror neurons. We mirror each other. We mirror behavior. We're always imitating. It's in our very nature to imitate. And David imitated God. If you study this incredible book of 1 Samuel out, you'll see that David had an amazing relationship with God his whole life. At one point, it was just him and God. David imitated God, even as a boy. And you could say that David was discipled by God. Before David had Saul as his discipler, he had God. How would you like to have God? As your primary discipler,
1: come
0: on, and I've got to lift up my discipler,
1: come
0: on. I lift up my disciple. come on. Joseph. Because my primary, my primary discipler is the Holy Spirit. Your primary discipler is the Holy Spirit. Before you had the man or the woman that God has appointed for your life. God gave you the Holy Spirit as a discipler. Mm. Now, Amen, God has given me an awesome disciple. His name is Joseph Perigel. He's, uh, he's on his honeymoon right now and he is an incredible man of God. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is your primary discipler? Because if you don't trust your... Because fi- God's actually given us like a trinity of disciples. He's given you The indwelling Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. if you were made into a disciple, Mm -hmm. if you repented of your sins, if you made Jesus Lord Mm -hmm. and you were baptized Mm -hmm. for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You've got the Holy Spirit if all those things happen. You've got the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You've got the man or the woman that God put in your life. Mm -hmm. But you've also got a conscience.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And who put that there? God so you have three disciples now Satan's primary disciple was actually God right and Satan didn't trust his disciple what about you what about you Not only did God see something in David, God saw everything in David. God saw everything about David. God saw him, even as a boy, he saw this is the man who's going to unite the 12 tribes of Israel. He's going to lead the movement, There we say. God also saw him tank it, sleep with some guy's wife, cover it up, and have the guy killed.
1: Man after God's own
0: heart. God doesn't just see something in you. God sees everything in you. And knowing God is knowing that he knows you. As Michael said in his sermon last week, God is closer to you. God is close. That's my disciple right there. Thanks bro. Um, God is closer to you than the person sitting next to you. But if you're not careful, Satan can be closer to you than the person sitting next to you. Point number four, let's bring you to a close. Know what God knows about you. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four. Know what God knows about you. Galatians chapter 4. He reads in verse 1. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the Father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental, uh, elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time has come, God sent his son born a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. But God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And the church says. Amen. Well, number four, God knows. Sorry, know what God knows about you. God sees every single last bit of potential in you. Now my personal conviction is that God already knows exactly how much glory He can get from every person in the world. My personal conviction is that the extent to which Satan comes after people, because of course we have a sinful people fall away because of their sinful nature. People fall away because of the word of God. Amen. But people fall away because Satan comes after them. And people fall away because you're not praying for them. And people stay falling away because you're not praying for them. But God sees every bit of glory he can get from you. And I believe personally that the greater extent to which somebody is like attacked by Satan, I've seen it in the men's ministry, it reflects the fact that God wants to do incredible things in their life.
1: Come on.
0: And somebody might be deep in sin and struggling with the same thing again and again and again and we rebuke them when in reality it's just a mask for God's glory. Mm.
1: Come on, Johnny. Come on. This is fire,
0: bro. God sees all the fulfilled and unfulfilled potential in you at the same time. God sees everything you will do and everything you can do At the same time. One man said this. Act as if what you do. Makes a difference. It does. Another man said this. God puts people in our lives on purpose. So we can help them succeed. And help them become all he created them to be. Most people will not reach their full potential. Without somebody else. Believing in them. And God certainly believes in Bozema oh! <laughs> and last night she counted the cost of becoming a sold-out disciple of Jesus Christ and today she has come to make Jesus the Lord of her life oh! and God certainly believes in Jackie Affle oh! believes in Jackie so much that she's about to share a spiritual birthday with her spiritual daughter and God certainly believes in Joshua Chakadazia you know keep it real guys like me and Josh like we butted heads this week
1: right, right? Come on, be real?
0: but that you know iron sharp is iron yeah. but, but like seeing Josh share for good news on Friday I was blown away I didn't even rebuke him for sharing like four pieces of good news <laughs> go, now, I'm so proud of Josh you know God has given him so much yeah. so many talents and to see them see him using them for God is amen. incredible Come on, <laughs> He is a mighty man of God. Amen. Come on. And God believes in you, family. Yeah.
1: Come on. Come on, Mama G.
0: And if we really knew how much God believes in us, mm. this church would explode. Yes. We can believe that for ourselves, and I know that some of you do.
1: Yeah.
0: But the real test is believing that for other people.
1: Yeah. Come on.
0: So I'm sure you guys, or some of you have probably heard about um, a series of Bible studies called the first principles, right? Um, let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. Come on,
1: bro.
0: You heard of the first principles, but did you know the basic principles are in the Bible too?
1: Come
0: on. Let's take a look at the basic principles. Verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? What's crazy is that in the uh, in, in alternate translation of this chapter, it literally says, basic principles. And we know the book of Galatians was written by Paul the Apostle in Macedonia uh, during his third missionary journey between uh, 55 and 57 AD. And Macedonia is modern-day Bulgaria. In other words, Europe. And typical of Europe is loads of potential and loads of unrealized potential. My question to you, Birmingham, is do you actually realize how much potential this church has yes and i'm really i'm genuinely not just saying this do you realize how special the birmingham church is because you know i've got to boast in the lord sadly a lot of you guys have not seen the scale of god's kingdom if you weren't aware god's kingdom is alive and active god's kingdom is doing just fine on planet earth But some of you have not had the opportunity that some of us have been so privileged to have to see the scale of the kingdom, to go to a GLC in Anaheim, California, to go to the ICLS in uh, Mexico City. But those of us who have, it is our responsibility to bring that vision and the scale of God's kingdom back to you.
1: Yes. Come on.
0: Come on. I've seen... God's kingdom, guys. Yes. I've seen 4,000 disciples on a Sunday yeah. singing God Almighty reigns. Yes. Yes. Right. Birmingham is special, guys.
1: Yes.
0: Like, I've Come done on. a lot of fellowshipping. Even when it's the end of the conference and you're basically just dead and there's nothing. There's no Johnny Chan, it's just the Holy Spirit. I'm there just like <laughs> sipping coffee, just like having, having a conversation. You know, <laughs> I've done a lot of fellowship guys and you, you're so special. For real. yeah, Just realize how special you are, please. Come on. I implore you. Come on. Because when you realize how special Birmingham is, yes. you'll realize that, as Callan beautifully foreshadowed in his Come on. welcome, Come on. the city that evangelized the world in industry. You know the industrial revolution happened here. There was a piece of something made in Birmingham all over the world. Do you not see God speaking through that? Come on! But we're not going to make machinery, technological advancements. Textiles. We're going to make disciples. And those disciples are going to go out into the world and make other disciples and evangelise the entire world in this generation. That bookmark really wants to be on the floor. We will let it be. We will let it be. But I do want to lift up, lastly, um, the man who rescued the bookmark the first time. Uh, Callum Reed. And I may get disciple for saying this, but it seems like the perfect opportunity. Callum has accepted the call. Callum is gonna be moving to London to train, to go on the Dublin International Christian First. sorely missed God God will see God, God sees the potential in you to go from a child to mature in Christ and I'm so so grateful and proud of Carmen Williamson I was in a Bible study with um, like being in a Bible study with Michael Williamson guys that's like being in a four-dimensional chess game right? <laughs> right? and he gave me some amazing advice he said make the first principles your own mm. and I shared that with Carmen on Tuesday now guys we go to staff every Tuesday. like we drive Carmen, Ka- Carmen valiantly drives I don't do any driving <laughs> Uh, I just try and stay awake and be like, man, it would be super discouraging if I fell asleep on this three-hour journey. Um, But I shared with her, yeah, make the first principles your own. Sis, of course you can lead Mazima's Counting the Cost.
1: Of course. How do you think Joseph
0: learned how to count the cost? Michael Bacasa was going to get baptized, and Frank was like, no, no, you do it. And Joseph went. Joseph learned how to count the cost, And Michael Bacasa got baptised. Mm. Are you willing to graduate from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food? Are you making the first principles your own? When you lead a study, do you understand how much power God has delegated to you? And lastly, I'm going to lift up my brother, Jeffrey Ejelto. Where is he? <laughs> and I'm also going to lift up this incredible white English man of God, soon to be disciple, met by Jeffrey, and that's Tegan right there. <laughs> this week we're in the best Ellen L and D study I've ever been in. This is a very special young man, and he's going to do incredible things for God. Tegan shared in his sin list. I'm really jealous, of Jeffrey. I'm really, I'm really envious of like Joseph and Johnny, because I used to have that level of confidence. And what he doesn't currently realise is that that's all God. It's not confidence. It's Godfidence. When we teach people the Bible, are they inspired by how we teach the Bible? Are they inspired by our lives? Could your life get somebody baptized even before they've read the word of God? Because when we truly know God, we will be inspired by God. And the word inspired literally means to be Mm spirit-filled. I love you, and to God be all the glory. (laughs)